3: Hi, I'm Talia Bacassus. And I'm Kim France. And welcome to Everything is Fine. I was thinking that we needed to really riff on our Everything is Fine. <laughs> everything is fine. Through clenched teeth. <laughs> uh, podcast for women over 40. And today we're speaking with Darcy Stenke, a writer, professor, and the author of the book Flashcat Diary, Menopause and the Vindication of Natural Life. So today we're talking about Menopause. I feel like suddenly everyone is talking about menopause. Menopause is having a moment. Uh, It's like menopause is coming out of the shadows. Hey, Kim.
4: Yeah, I would agree. It seems like, I mean, I hate to say that something suddenly feels cool. (laughs) But when Gwyneth Paltrow says it needs a rebranding. Yeah, right. I know. I know. The great one is Fleabag,
5: right? Did you see that episode? Yes. That was amazing. Yeah, that was so good. That was so
4: good. There was a clip
3: in Broad City where they said something along the lines of menopause is just not represented in the mainstream media. Huh.
2: Um, Excuse me. Do you have any chance of a tampon? Oh, my goodness, No. I'm flattered you asked, even though many women my age do experience spotting.
0: Oh, I
2: totally forgot about menopause. Menopause isn't represented in mainstream media like no one wants to talk about it.
3: And there are books about it, such as yours, and your book is actually the one that I've seen be the most talked about. Why do you think there's been so much shame and secrecy traditionally around menopause up until now?
5: Well, I think there are many reasons. I mean, I think we have to remember that it's only been about 100 years in which women could, you know, support themselves and live independently. And before that, you know, according to the patriarchy, we were most valuable for our fertility. Um, mm. And so, so when that period ended, I think there was a lot of not just shame, but like fear that we would mm-hmm. no longer be like of interest to men, you know. And so I think that, I mean... We're really talking about our survival, you know what I mean? Like like our yeah. survival was attached to men for a long time. So the importance of being like appealing to them was a really big deal. So I think that's part of it. I think there's a fear, like a fear of vulnerability, of, of lack of fertility, not just and not just not being sexually appealing to men, but, you know, for our very survival, you know. So there's that. Our usefulness. Our usefulness, yeah. And then I also think there's been a disconnect between mothers and daughters, you know, since there's so much... Shame. Like I talked to so many women. I like I think I interviewed 100 women for my book and uh, almost all of them said that their mothers didn't even say a word to them. Their mothers either suffered in silence or, you know, you know, I mean, like so there was like a disconnect between talking about it between mothers and daughters. So that's a big thing, too, that there wasn't a lot of knowledge about it, just sort of, you know, orally you know, transported. Um, So there's that i mean i I just think the whole thing needs to be normalized, like I think in sex ed, you know we can yeah. talk about like puberty and menstruation and childbirth, but then we should just talk about like menopause in a really normal way. It's like a normal female life stage, you know like mm-hmm. without a lot of like oh no, this terrible thing's going to happen to you, you know what I mean just like it's a normal female life stage like it needs to be normalized, you know that's I think that will help the shame a lot
4: and is that mm-hmm. what made you decide to write about menopause
5: well. What happened to me really as I started to go through it um, when I was around 52 and I was starting to have hot flashes, was having trouble sleeping, feeling very disoriented in my life. And I just looked around for books. You know, I'm a writer, so I always look for books to try to understand what's happening to me. And I just found so little, you know, there was a few medical texts that were okay. All the memoirs ended with, you know, hormone therapy, which I'm not against. I, you know, I'm not going to judge anybody, but, um, but then that stopped the idea of thinking about menopause once the hormones were taken, which isn't really true because it's such a, you know, it's a major transition that is, is physical, spiritual, you know, you know, I would argue even metaphysical. Um, <sighs> so I decided I would write my own book, you know, I, because there wasn't anything that I could find, you know. And then also this idea of the whales, you know, I, you know, I found out that the two creatures that go through menopause are human women and um, female killer whales, so that really hmm. thrilled me, and I found <laughs> out that the killer whales at around forty five or fifty become the pod leaders, the post reproductive pod leaders of their you know communities and families That's so, so th- nice so it was a leadership model, which you know was i mean really it's amazing that I had to find a creature, you know what I mean, like an animal to lead me through menopause in like a positive way, like I couldn't really find that many models, you know yeah, female in the, models in the you human know. world exactly yeah, hmm. Killer women. <laughs> Killer women, yeah. Or post reproductive pod leaders is what I want to think about. Yeah.
3: Um just to backtrack a second, because maybe some of our listeners are in
5: perimenopause, did you go through perimenopause as well? I mean, I think I did though. I never really named it, you know. I mean I was definitely had some fluctuations I think of mood and um I don't it's hard for me to remember now. But I think yeah. I mean I think I did have some of those symptoms. I mean, I I remember talking to my doctor about some of the things, some of the sexual changes and the emotional changes, and you know, she never even mentioned menopause, which is sort of strange. Really strange. Yeah, or perimenopause, but not not that unusual as far as the like doctors that I, I mean, the women that I talked to. I mean, they were all kind of left on their own to do a lot of googling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Well, it feels like perimenopause is even less understood than actual menopause. Because in some ways it's indistinguishable from regular aging.
5: I mean, there's some things that are menopausal, but there are some things that are just aging. You know, as people get older, they have trouble sleeping. You know, as people get older, they, well, you know what I mean? They're, yeah. you know, their roles change, you know. So I think there's a way in which menopause has really been demonized, you know, and blamed for a lot of stuff that's just about humans getting
4: older. Yeah, you know? although I'm perimenopausal now. Um, I would say menopausal, but every you know six months or so, my period just yeah. comes back. Yeah, right. Um, and my sleep <laughs> has been completely disrupted. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a bummer. It's such a bummer.
3: It's the worst. I, I have this, I think it's a very typical hormonal thing where I just wake up at 4am and I'm awake and that's just it. Um, so I think I'm also in perimenopause. I also have just a lot of irritability yeah and that i don't even know what it comes from but i'm assuming it's perimenopause i mean did you guys see that baroness one sketch clip where they're trying to figure out if this woman is going through perimenopause but like the symptoms are so vague like nobody really knows and they're like am i really at the right age she's like am i am i maybe it's perimenopause
5: (laughs) you think i don't know is it i don't know is it no no I still wear a jean jacket I still drink out of a mason jar you're hot for no reason so is it is it is it no
3: maybe fuck she ends up at her doctor and her doctor's she says is it perimenopause and he's like I don't know she's like is it is it like nobody literally knows (laughs) what perimenopause is yeah it's funny yeah it was very good the sleep is a big one for me as well it's yeah
4: that's if you can't sleep you can't really do your life that's hard. <laughs> no, yeah, that's they hard. use sleep deprivation as a torture technique during war. And now that I've had ter- like nights, I have literally not slept a yeah. drop. Yeah, I had that too at the beginning. Yeah. I can completely mm-hmm. understand that. I mean, I felt like I I did get a little, I think it's like a,
5: a dozepin, a little 10 like milligrams to help me sleep. Um, but I also think I got used to not sleeping in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like I still get up like maybe three or four times a night but i'm kind of used to it now. i don't know. it doesn't mm. it's not as disruptive as it once was. it's yeah. like those yeah. the early child early baby years. yeah, exactly, yeah.
3: so tell listeners, what does the subtitle of your book refer to when you say the vindication of natural life?
5: um, well, i used i love the word vindication and that's partly because of uh, mary woolstonecraft's um the vindication of um the rights of women. i actually <laughs> have her on my t-shirt right now too. um oh. and uh it's just about You know, as I went through menopause, I really felt like I was an animal, kind of, like a creature inside of a life cycle. And that gave me a lot of, I mean, besides really getting obsessed with the whales, it gave me a lot of feeling of power and security to feel that way. Um, So I wanted to sort of say that, at least for me, you know, menopause didn't have to be a thing that was medical, you know, medicalized and debased. It was a natural part of life. So that's the sort of that's the sort of aim of the book is taking it back from this idea that it's this terrible catastrophe um, that has to be medicated and is the worst thing that ever happened to a woman and back to like just a normal part of life that is definitely, you know, tricky. There's lots of struggles, but also has some gains, you know? like some mm-hmm. some things that are really positive about it as can, well. Can you so. talk
4: about some of those gains?
5: Sure. Um, well, for me, I'm kind of on the back side. We're like, please, yeah. please, please, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> please. I'm on the back side now. So let's see. All right, so I'm 57, so um, let's see. So I think the gains are, I mean, some of even the, I guess I want to go back and say, I think even some of the trials, I think were necessary for me. Like, I feel like even the hot flashes, some which were difficult, like sometimes I had probably 10 to 20 a day. They were very disruptive.
3: Oh, but wow, that's a
5: lot. I, but I sometimes feel they it was almost like they were like it was sort of like a spiritual graduate school, you know what I mean? Like they were like burning off my old self, you know, some ideas of my old self as a woman so I could sort of go into my new self, you know, like a, a my new sort of, you know, older, you know, crone self, you know. So like a literal rebirth. Yeah, exactly. So they were like necessary. And and even even my insomnia like which You know, sometimes drove me crazy, particularly if I had to do something in the morning, you know. But to be up at night sometimes, you know, I was able to – I can remember it was a long period of, like, thinking through my life, thinking about the things I've done. I mean, not just the things I wish I had done differently, but just thinking about just, you know, kind of the expanse of my life, you know. I was up at night sort of wandering around thinking about, you know, my childhood and my first marriage. And and it was like my life, I think – Started to seem very valuable. I mean, even more valuable to me. My history, like it was my life, and that made it meaningful. So those n- nights of insomnia weren't really wasted. You know, there was something sort of beautiful about that as well. So mm-hmm. n- now on the other side of it, I feel well. I mean, you know, you don't menstruate, which is great. You know, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's hard to menstruate. You know, people act like oh, the fertile woman, but you know, I mean, cycling is a drag. You know, and also, yeah, and also like. I was very unsteady sometimes, you know. I've always, I, my whole life, I've, I've, um, you know, you know, struggled, you know, with depression and, um, the, you know, through the month, the hormone cycle was is very destabilizing in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like you have your period and then, your hormones rise and then they drop off and you know. So that to me, to be outside of that, you know, has been a real gain. So um, do you
3: think that your mood is more even now?
5: Yeah, I do. I do think it's more even now. I think it's more steady, and I also oh. think I have more like. I mean, the hormonal landscape, I mean, the menopausal landscape is a lot like those days before your period, but you get used to living there. And, I you, know, I, you know, like I always tell my daughter, I have a 23-year-old daughter, and I tell her, you know, don't don't let the world tell you that you're a bitch during those days or you're like, you know, crazy. No, those are the days that the hormones lift, you know, the veil of, you know, domesticity and sort of being, you know, being malleable kind of lift, and you see your life like kind of clearly, and my argument is that you're grumpy because sometimes you're not happy about like certain things about your life because you see it clearly. It's not that your your hormones are crazy and you're a bitch. So that lucidity, you start to live within that lucidity of lower hormones, and it's it's kind of an amazing place to be. You know, it's like that sounds yeah. You make it sound good then. It's, yeah, yeah, it's very good. There's a lot of wonder. There's a lot of uh, lucidity. There's a lot of facing reality directly. There's a lot of Ability to sort of meditate and be centered, you know?
3: I don't know. Well, you hear a lot of people say things about like, you give less fucks. Like, that's the big expression that you hear.
5: Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you're, you, you just, you care just mostly about the things that really like are meaningful to you. And you say no more, you know, to stuff that you don't want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, that yeah, all that, feels
3: like the wisdom of aging.
5: Yeah, that's, that's a very cool thing. And you care less about what people think. I mean, you know, I really only care, like, even my, you know my sexuality my attractiveness like i really only care like if my husband thinks i'm you know appealing you know what i mean i'm just not gonna work you know to make the world think i'm sexy anymore like you know that's over and seems kind of dumb in retrospect too you know what i mean so
3: we're gonna take a quick break for some ads
1: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time
2: Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. And highest. Sarah absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months, I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks
4: percent
3: off welcome back to everything is
5: fine
4: can you talk a little bit about like the softening of your intellectual acuity yeah i worry a little bit about like getting dumber
5: yeah right right i think that was my i think i say this in my book too that was my one concern actually like because i don't care as much about you know how i look or whatnot but um but as far as the studies i read a lot of studies about this and they all said i mean i can remember one study uh she had tested fuzzy thinkers like after menopause and it turned out that the fuzzy thinkers had actually better recall than the women who thought they didn't have huh yeah so so there isn't there really isn't a lot of proof to prove that f- first of all that's mostly like a medical it's not really true i mean i actually don't think that's really true actually i mean i, I have a little less name recall i mean whether it's menopause or whether it's just aging i mean who knows right I don't I don't feel like my like intellectual abilities are lesser at all. I think they're even like a little better as I know what I'm doing better, especially in my work and my writing. Like I know what I'm doing better. I understand what I'm good at. I think I can make like connections more easily because I know more and I have more confidence, mm-hmm. which to me that's what the intellectual life is about. Is right. ma- mm-hmm. is making connections, right? So I don't really feel that at all. And it's also a difference of, I mean, it kind of depends on what you mean when it comes to sharpness. Like am I interested in repartee now, like being all sharp. No, you know what I mean. Like I'm, you know, I'm more interested in having, like, you know, if I'm going to have a conversation and and spend the time doing it, like, I want to have a deep conversation with somebody, like, about things that matter. Yeah. you know what I mean. So yeah. it's, it's less
4: about being clever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, and witty. I'm
5: just, I'm just not that interested in that anymore. Yeah. That sounds hmm. refreshing. Yeah.
3: I know. God, so much less pressure. Yeah.
5: <laughs> right. I find
3: that in my in my relationship, like my husband and I talk less and less. And it doesn't feel like a bad thing. It feels like a comfort.
5: Yeah. I find that in my relationship, too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree that. We're just with that. being ourselves around the house kind of thing. Yeah, we read, or we'll read simultaneously, or we'll—we just have—we have a lot of things to talk about, but we also are more and more comfortable just being together. I think that's true.
4: Can you talk about the idea in your book of the creature wanting to get out? That the Incredible Hulk right. imagery that you used was really resonant, with Right, think. right. I mean, that was—
5: in my first hot flashes, I definitely felt like my body was a cage. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and I was like, what? Like, I'm just completely hot, and I just want to escape from my own body, you know, which was not a sensation that I, you know, that I had had before. You know, so that was very strong. I mean, now when I look back about that time, I think to myself, there was a creature that wanted to get out, and that creature was really cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, 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 and she got out actually eventually you know but at the time there was a a certain amount of panic for sure you know yeah but I think of also
3: the incredible hunk as being really angry yeah
5: exactly well that that was another thing is I've I mean a lot of the women that I interviewed and I myself too sort of got I feel like I got in touch with my anger you know through menopause a lot I felt more more able to be angry more aware when I was angry I think I wasn't even aware you know when I was angry sometimes which is so sad but I think Like, is sort of a female condition. Um, Yeah. So I think I was... I came to terms more with my anger, and and I was willing to do things about it. Like what? Like, definitely some things with my husband. I realized that, like, I could just be reasonable, but, like, a little anger goes a long (laughs) way. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... No, it's definitely true. You know, a little bit like, like I say in my book, like, fucking do the kitty litter. You know, I do it every time, you know. Mm -hmm. And he was, he seemed to be able to hear it when I got a little bit more angry. So that was, that was interesting. And I continue to use that technique. Um, Like maybe
3: as a choice, you say, like, instead of saying, I'm just going to grin and bear it, you're like, no, fuck, I'm going to get angry this time. And and that's going to work better.
5: Yeah. I mean, I mean, grin and bear it, but also sometimes like in a reasonable way saying like, you know, that doesn't always work, you know, like saying like, you know, I did the dishes 20 times this week and you did them too, you know, but just getting mad, you know, and being just like, this is ridiculous. A little
4: bit of irrationality can make a big impact.
5: Yeah. And I don't even, <laughs> I don't even think it's irrational. I feel like to say, you know, it's true. I mean,
4: it's true.
5: maybe some people's partners are better than my partner, but like, you know, there's still a sense that, the, you know, the domestic sphere, like is my sphere and when no, he, no, you're and, not alone. And when he does things, he's helping me, which is bullshit, you know. So I try to, like, work on that a little through. And I am actually angry. And why not express it, you know. Actually, So yeah. there's that. And then also, like, anger. I mean, this is a time to be angry a lot, right, like in the world. So I I let that go too. some, you know. I mean, I, I, mean, I also try to find ways to... You know, if I'm angry about, you know, politics or whatnot, I try f- to find ways to, like, resist or protest or make phone calls or whatever. But um, but I also let myself just be angry as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I find to be kind of generative.
4: Yeah. 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 I've always thought anger could have great power to motivate. Yeah, totally. You know, but it is so distinctly traditionally unfeminine.
5: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're really considered – well, you, it goes right to, like, you're a bitch, you know. Yeah. I mean, you, like, immediately are a bitch, you know, like, which is really unfair. I mean, we need to have all the emotions, you know what I mean? Like, we're humans, you know, we need to have all the emotions um, just like men. It's just not fair, you know, so. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What was something that completely surprised you about menopause?
5: That completely surprised me. I mean, definitely some of the sexual changes were really surprising. I mean, I had known about the, you know, it's hard not to know about the hot flashes because they're made fun of and you, you sort of knew. And I maybe knew a little bit about the sleeplessness, a little bit about the disorientation, but the sexual changes really surprised me. You know that that certain positions, like for instance, penetration, just was not as comfortable anymore. You know, and I wasn't as interested in it either. You know, so that surprised me.
4: What would you say mm-hmm. to women? I mean, I'm going through this a little. I'm yeah. definitely seeing a drop in my sex drive, and yeah. I'm not happy about it. Yeah, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. What do you say to women who are kind of newly bereft? Over- yeah losing this?
5: I mean, I, I definitely went through that phase as well, um, where I just, my desire just wasn't as, it was, it, it changed. I mean, it just wasn't as high, you know, like it wasn't at, I mean, it was probably not at a 10, you know, even before menopause, but it was probably at yeah. like a six or a six maybe, you know, and it probably dropped down to a three or a four. But, um, and I remember feeling worried about that. But then I had to think to myself, why am I worried about that? Like, that's actually how I feel. You know what I mean? Like, am I worried because of how my husband's going to react to this or, you know, how my relationship is going to work, how I'm going to feel during sex? And so when I really thought deeply about it, I thought, you know, I want a sex life that's based on my actual desires. Yeah. Like, I don't want it. Like, I did talk to some doctors. It was really sad to me. Like, this one hormone doctor in the West Village, like, I asked her about um, her patients and She sort of said, my patients don't expect to enjoy sex. They just don't want it to hurt. And they're talking about penetration. I read that.
4: Yeah, that's in the book. That is
5: messed up, man. I mean, that is depressing, you know. And that kind of like woke me up. I was like, okay, wow. Like, not that like intercourse isn't great and not that that's still an option for me sometimes, but there's a lot of other things on the menu. You know, I mean, there's a lot that you can do that's really fun and really exciting in bed. And I feel like it's, also I feel like it's like, it makes sense in a way that maybe, like, at midlife, our desire is different. Like, if we're no longer fertile, then the idea I mean, you know, I mean, clearly we wouldn't all be here if it wasn't for intercourse, right? But, but, but once your fertility has changed and you that drive is different, you know, it kind of makes sense that maybe, like, intercourse isn't your favorite thing in the world, right? I mean, so maybe you would move towards some other things that, you know, are pleasurable. I mean, I think that the thing to remember is like, communication with your partner, like, or partners, and, um, you know, and then also stuff like, I mean, lube is really good, you know. <laughs> you know, lube works great, you know, so, like.
3: I hear a lot about coconut oil.
5: Yeah, coconut oil is great, you know, so, like, just a lot of communication and a lot of openness to what, like, what is, a, you know, what is intimacy? You know, what mm-hmm. is sexual? You know, I think that's really important. And those and those things did really surprise me. But they kind of turned out to be, it, it, it turned out to be kind of great. Like, I have to say, like, since I've moved away from, like, the fertile sexual script, you know, foreplay, intercourse, foreplay, intercourse, I feel so much more – I feel much closer to my husband. I mean, partly because we've had to negotiate things more and, you know, we've had to talk about stuff. But also just the intimacy involved is a lot deeper, you know.
4: I've known you a long time.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um and I remember when we were young. Yes, when we were um, young. You were so a really, long. You were a really like sexy chick. Oh, thank you. That that felt yeah. like a part of your identity. Interesting. Yeah. Do you feel like? I mean, you're still a sexy chick. Thank but do you. you. Feel and like so are obvious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now that we've gotten that. But let's all go out back. Way, wait. So
5: we've known each other for 30 years. Is that right? We've known each other about 30, 30 years, years. Yeah. Since
4: this early 90s.
5: I remember oh, at. Yeah. Abby's, my daughter's baby shower, like you brought her the cutest little, because it was during grunge rock, the the cutest little like gray, like grunge, it was a corduroy jacket. Yeah, yeah. corduroy, it was so cute, brown, a little brown corduroy jacket that she wore forever. She looked just like a tiny little Courtney Love in it, it was really cute, (laughs) it was so cute.
4: Darcy happens to have one of the coolest daughters. Yeah, I'm really lucky, I have an
5: amazing daughter. Um, Okay, so. But
4: giving that up, like that's something, you know. I go back and forth about thinking I'm attractive, but I, I've generally thought, like, I'm a, at least a little sexy, and that's, I something I, yeah. I, that's something I don't want to give up. Yeah,
5: yeah. I mean, I like to think that I'm still also, like, sexually attractive, but like I said, to myself and to my partner and, I don't know, I just think the idea of, like, having to be, like, the sexiest woman in the room all the time, it's exhausting.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's
5: like, to me, it's really been... I've enjoyed giving it up. I feel like there's so much more energy for me in like doing the things that I want to do and working on my projects than worrying about how I look all the time. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. you know. And it's true. I think earlier, like, yeah, I think being trying to be attractive. I mean, I was always really interested. You know, like you were trying to be stylish too. That was a thing, right? You know, would try to be dress in an interesting way, like whether it was thrift store clothes or whatever. And but that I still do that. I still have that. Yeah, I'm still interested okay. in that. Like I still like you know, I mean, my daughter and I kind of share that, which is fun too.
3: Because for me, it's not necessarily about sexiness, which has not been a big priority for me. But it's I have found a lot of my identity in being feminine. Yeah, and right. So I'm scared of. I can already see that my face looks more masculine than right. I
5: used to. Right. Yeah. No. No. I think I have that too. I think most women have that. I mean. I don't know that. You know, I write about that in my book, too. I feel like the gender changes, you know, I've just felt a little less tightly feminine, I would say, like, and a little less just not defined as much by my femininity and not really wanting to prop my femininity up. You know, I'm just not interested in it, you know, like – I don't know. I also think like the things I've always really loved have been androgynous, like David Bowie and like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like, I think that's uh, like also I think that's deeply sexy. I think androgyny is really sexy. I think this is a hard thing to talk about, though, because there's so many jokes about menopausal women you know, looking like men, you know, which is not what I'm talking about. Like what I'm talking about is sort of a very powerful new sexual identity which has to do with maybe not being quite as tightly feminine but being more androgynous and being cool with that you know and and bringing your authentic self you know to your sexual like encounters and and that like authentic self might mean feeling a little more androgynous you know maybe not like being as femme as you once were you know and I mean to me there's a lot of power in that I I just don't think femininity is a worthwhile goal I guess yeah Uh, yeah, like anymore. Like I used to, but now I don't. Yeah, it
3: sounds like I you found that. a lot of freedom.
5: Yeah, I I really like it. Yeah, I mean In your new self. Yeah, it's a lot better. I mean, it's a lot lot better. I mean, d- you know, definitely more. I'm more confident because you know, it, you know, if you go, like, if you lead with your femininity and your sexual self, you know, your sexy self, the payoff is what other people think of you. Like, if you succeeded, ba- you know, it's based on other people. It's not based on you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. and that's sort of dangerous. I mean, whenever you put like. Whenever you put your self-worth in somebody else's hands, that's a terrible situation.
4: Um, You wrote in the book about how one of the side effects that somebody found that one of the side effects of um, menopause was empathy. Mm. We've talked a little bit about some of the upsides Uh of menopause. What are some other ones? Please. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes.
5: Um, In some ways, like the false self is broken down. Right. And so you feel I feel more malleable, you know, like I felt and that's you know part of like what the book is about more malleable to other creatures, more malleable more vulnerable and more able to connect with a wider range of people i definitely have felt that you know
4: you wrote a um a really nice line since i stopped my struggle to be beautiful i'm overtaken by beauty more often yeah
5: i really feel that like i can feel like i can sink into it more like i have like i live right near prospect park in brooklyn and i walk in that park almost every day and it's just almost like a new and different experience since I've been in the last 10 years. Like I feel less in my head, you know what I mean? Less like always thinking about everything, but more just really sort of in it. And I can really absorb the beauty of the natural world more. And also even seeing, like there's a place in the park where like Asian brides come to have their picture taken. Mm-hmm. And yeah, i like, that. Yeah, it's amazing. And I have found that to be so moving, you know, I don't know. And like, I don't think 10 years before it would be like sort of interesting, but okay, you know, but like, I don't know. I'm just able to sort of feel, feel the wonder of the world more.
3: It sounds like, I mean, do you feel less ambitious? Ambitious.
5: I would say no. <laughs> <I> would say, <laughs> I'm
3: just wondering. I'm yeah, just thinking, no. I'm, like maybe, you know, if few that's years ago you walking through yeah, that park, you no. would have been, like, thinking about your work, thinking about career. thinking No, and that's like... the
5: part that's, like, still really going strong, I would say. And even maybe getting a little more so, you know, since my, my daughter's out of the house, my domestic duties are somewhat over, right? So I can, like, really throw myself at my work. Hmm. I mean, I think the idea of walking in that park is more like like it might be that the conduit to my ambition is changing, you know, where like earlier it's true. Maybe I was thinking like, oh, you know, my work, you know, can I work on this thing to get my you know, book placed in different ways? Who can I meet? Whatever. And now it's more like, no, the way I'm going to do the best and be the most ambitious and get the word out is by sinking deeply into myself, mm-hmm. you know, and not worried so much about all the connections and all that. So it's a different way of thinking about um like myself and my work and my ambition. But I, I def- think the ambitions the same. Yeah.
4: I definitely don't feel like I compete as much with other people yeah. as I used to. In mm-hmm. my 20s and my 30s I was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I felt so I felt really? so competitive with so many people. I didn't really feel that but And powers. Why does Ann oh, Powers yeah. get all yeah. the yeah. assignments? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, try- well, well that's also a much better writer. Well, no. Well, also, you know,
5: the world that you were in, female music writers was so small and so there was, you know what I mean? It's like a a small cake and how's it being sliced? You know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I know what you, I hear you on that. I feel like, I definitely felt competitive more competitive with different people which was just insecurity it seems now yeah i I mean right absolutely I, I mean I definitely feel more I feel like I've always sort of tried to help other people and help other women but now it's it's more i try to i try to build you know build alliances you mm. know rather than 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 like worry about like territory right that's a new that's like definitely new more but I feel like I always sort of did that but it definitely it's getting more because you just realize it's not a good strategy.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't really work. It doesn't get you far.
5: It doesn't really work, you know? So, yeah, yeah. I just sort of wonder if that's not hormonal, too, in a way, though. Hmm. You know what I mean? When you're, you're kind of staking your ground. Right. You know what I mean? You're like, it just seems like, to me, that seems a very hyped-up hormonal thing. Certainly
4: felt very visceral at the time. I
5: agree, yeah. Yeah, I agree mm-hmm. with that. It
3: makes me think of um, Ann Friedman and Aminatu Sow. They have this thing called Shine Theory mm-hmm. that's... Um, like, for you to shine, other people have to shine. Mm. So that the only way to succeed is by lifting other women that's up. so true.
4: Yeah. Yeah, really. And it's a it's relief. So it a feels a relief. like a relief. I agree. It's so true. And
5: two men do it all the time. Men do it. I mean, men, like, get in groups and build each other up. Right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. also have a lot more. They have a much easier time around competition. It isn't yeah. personal. And it becomes so personal with women, I think, often. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I think you're probably right about that.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've pretty much breezed through our questions. Yeah, um, we... <laughs> I know. Well, thank you so much, Darcy, uh, for coming to talk to us. And I want to encourage everybody to go get your book, Flash Count Diary, Menopause and the
4: Vindication of Natural Life. We're your hosts, Tally Abacassis and Kim France. Darcy, do you want to tell people how to find you? Um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. And I mean, the best way is actually my website, which is DarcyStunky.com. Great. Yeah. If you like the show, be sure to rate it and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have suggestions for show ideas or anything else, email us at tallyandkim at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram that is EIFpodcast. You can find me on my blog, girlsofacertainage.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming, Darcy. Thank you so much.